This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna's Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna's Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me today, Fred Katz of the Norman Transcript and Locked on Thunder. Fred, how's it going? It's good. We finally got this done after all the DMing to try to get this done. We finally did it. <laughs> I know. We've been working on this for a while, people, so this is a, this is a great day. Uh, I want to know just some some personal Fred Cat stuff before we dive into Thunder stuff. So, first of all, what are your impressions of Oklahoma City as a city in general? Since you're moving from like New York to like Oklahoma City, that's a big move. What are your thoughts on Oklahoma City since you've lived? Okay, here? so my honest thoughts on Oklahoma City when I moved to Oklahoma City, I thought I I expected to hate it. Like I expected not to be happy. I'd never been to Oklahoma City before before yeah. I before I moved there. Um, and like you know, I'm I'm like I'm a Jew from New York. There aren't that many of us in Oklahoma. And and so I uh, I, I I came here. I actually like it. I actually totally. Like, I mean, look, New York will always be my favorite city, and I'm from New York. So like, there's a you know, you, your hometown is usually your favorite city. Yeah. Uh, and and when you're from New York, you have like an obnoxious bias towards it. But, uh, but yeah, I actually like Oklahoma city. I, I like there, there are a couple things that I don't like, but they're not the conventional, like they're not the conventional, like, you know, the, the, the conventional complaints I should say about Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my biggest complaint is that there aren't, um, I can't order food at one in the morning, Okay, but that's just because I'm in New York. Yeah. And my other complaint is that all Oklahoma Walmart cashiers are incredibly slow when they bag your groceries. Oh. And it kills me. It kills me every single time. You got to go self-checkout. Uh, but I, I, I like that it's, you know, easy easy to get around. And there actually are things to do. Um, and there are good restaurants. Um, I need good food culture. If there were no good food culture, we'd have a problem. But there is. So um, I didn't expect there to be, like, you know, for, for it to be all those things. Um, and I'm a pretty amenable person. Like as long as I have, as long as I have, you know, a couch and league pass, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I actually, I, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. Any favorite restaurant spots? Uh, probably 10 really good. Yeah. Um, I'm really into SMBs. I end up going to SMBs for burgers a decent amount cause I live right around there. Yeah. Um, any other favorite restaurant spots? I've, I've, I haven't hit up Tucker's yet. Oh, it's that's the good. one. Yeah, Republic. I love Republic. Yes, uh, Republic is awesome. Um, yeah, Tucker's is Tucker's is the only like burger place. Royce and I had a whole conversation about it on the podcast. Actually, Tucker's is like the only burger place I haven't uh, I haven't been to. I think that's like well known. You've got to go. But yeah, if you would have come to Oklahoma City ten years ago, like every spot that you just named wasn't here. It's Oklahoma City is becoming a uh, just a cooler city in general. So you came at you came at the right time. Yeah, and Brown, Browns is the best bakery I've ever been to in my life. That yes, 
Browns is Browns awesome. is greatest, the greatest donuts I've ever had. <laughs> okay, uh, Sam Presti. So I've I've watched everything that Sam Presti has done. I've lived in this city. I've watched like this team grow. Like my. I don't know that Sam Presti could make any move that would make me think he was a bad GM. But somebody that is watching from afar, what is your opinion on the job that he's done? Um, not just like the the incredible drafting that he did, but since then, like what what do you think of the job that he's done uh, for the Thunder? So something that I differ with on like uh, like with Nate Duncan and I in particular differ on this, uh, and maybe it's because like I'm now part of the notorious Homer Oklahoma City media. <laughs> but, I mean, they're they're about to become the first team in NBA history to lose, like, a super-duper star via free agency, not get anything back, and still be, like, a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Not completely deteriorate and totally fall off. I mean, you look at Cleveland and Orlando and some other teams. Um, you know, I guess, I guess maybe the Lakers – did a similar thing. Um, doing it in Oklahoma City, I think, is a little different than doing it in Los Angeles when you have the Lakers jersey on. Uh, so I, I, I think that's impressive in itself. Um, I don't necessarily blame Durant leaving on on him. I think that's just the fact that like, those factors were totally out of his control. I don't know. Unless you think he's, you know, some sort of, you know, mind, mind bender. I don't know what more you could possibly <laughs> expect out of him. Yeah. But you look at the way he's drafted. People talk about how he hasn't really drafted consequential guys since you know Ibaka tends to be you know Ibaka and Westbrook and Harden and and Durant. And it's not true. I mean, Stephen Adams and Robertson, um, and, you know, other guys along the lines. Like they've they've drafted well. They've they've done a good job putting together this team. Um, the Ibaka trade was the best trade he ever made, probably. So I, I think Sam is done certainly a good job putting putting together this team and, and 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 it's not just the moves too you know it's the it's the organization the culture that he's established and that kind of stuff comes from the top as well yeah how would you compare it to like the nets culture that you kind of got to experience you mean like the pre Sean marks culture yes yes pre Sean oh, well, that was uh that was not culture yeah that was, <laughs> i don't know what that was uh, that was, that was something else. Uh, that was not, it doesn't, it doesn't compare, um, with the Billy King and Lionel Hollins, like guys were, uh, that was a team that just kind of said like early, early, early in the season. That was a team that was just like, all right, I guess, I guess we're done here in like the end of November. Hmm. Um, and even if the Thunder got off to a bad start, that's not in that's not a thing that that organization is going to put out, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Nets were just kind of they they quit on Hollins for sure. That's why they had to to get rid of him. Um, not only did they even even the the post Hollins King thing, they fired the two of them on the same day in like early January. They fired their GM in the middle of the season, which is pretty unconventional. But it was like a month and a half before the trade deadline. Then they didn't hire a GM for like five weeks until like literally like two days before the trade deadline. They hired Sean Marks, and I think Sean Marks has done a really great job. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's, uh, and I think I think he's a really smart guy, and he's going to do well. But like, yeah, before that, it was like even even the wrap up of like the change in the administration was took forever. Yeah, and I think that's a really that's a good point about 
the culture of the team. And a lot of that comes from Presti. Like this is all kind of by his design and he, you know, kind of luckily got to rebuild everything from scratch and then moved here from Oklahoma or from Seattle to Oklahoma city. But I, I think he's done a phenomenal job and I don't, I think a lot of people hate on him and, and it's because of some of the trades that he's done, and some of them haven't been great. Obviously, the it's Harden just because of the Harden trade. Yeah. It's just if the Harden trade didn't happen, people wouldn't say it. Or if Jeremy Lamb was like as good as Alan Crabb, and <laughs> and was like still on the team. You think that's the first time anybody's ever said that that sentence? <laughs> I can guarantee you that that's the first time that sentence has been birthed. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good chance. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like running a TV show. Um, like in the old, in the old, like you know, I'm saying the old days, maybe I'll make some of the listeners feel old when I say that, but uh, you know, in the 90s and even early 2000s and obviously before that, you saw networks kind of controlling what TVs were going to do. You had a bunch of different heads controlling what TV shows were supposed to do. Um, nowadays, the model for many, especially comedies in particular, nowadays the model for a lot of the best TV shows, you know, especially those comedies, is you give Larry David... You let Larry David create, you let him dictate the writing, and you throw him into the show in a lot of cases. You let Louis C.K. do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. You let the sunny guys do what they're going to do, and you just give them authority on the show. Um, and, and things tend to work well when you have one. Now, if that person at the top is not competent, then it's going to be a disaster. But things tend to work well when you have one competent person setting a trickle-down effect for the rest of an organization, the rest of a business, whatever it is. And the Thunder have that competent person setting it down. With like you compare it to the Nets, the Nets have a million different minds. They've got Prokhorov, and they've got um, you know the rest of like Prokhorov's team kind of setting up different kind of things. And then they had Billy King on one side, and then especially even before Lionel Hans, they had Jason Kidd, and then they had Jeff Schwartz, who was Jason Kidd's agent, kind of poking his head, and they just had them stuff coming in from a million different directions, and it just it didn't work. Um, and I think when you have one guy who's just kind of setting, setting, setting the organization up and everyone else is falling in line, knowing their role, knowing what to do. And that one guy at the top is a competent person. Uh, works. Yeah. I, I think that's a huge reason why Presti and kind of Oklahoma City in general as a franchise has kind of become underrated. Uh, I, I just think that there's been a lot of like bad things that have happened to them and then like a couple big mistakes, of course. But still, like as an organization, they're probably a little bit underrated. Uh, so Kevin Durant left uh, this past summer. Oh, really? And uh, if you didn't know, breaking news. Um, I want to know what your feelings were because you had just moved here. Like, yeah. Like, what did you think on July 4th whenever the news dropped? Were you just like, oh, man, I can't believe I just moved here. And now, like, what's, you know, is Russell Westbrook going to be traded? Am I going to be writing about a, you know, rebuilding team? Like, what are your what were your personal thoughts? So my first reaction when I saw it, and this is something I'm sure you can relate to was it was like, it was during summer league. I was in Orlando um, and it broke on July 4th. So it didn't ruin my July 4th because I was working anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my first reaction, cause I was about to leave for Orlando summer league games. My first reaction was, Oh man, now I got to write. <laughs> that is so annoying. <laughs> Because whenever, whenever breaking news happens, for those not in the business, and I know you can relate to this, like the feeling is is basically it's as if uh, a teacher gave you a pop quiz, yeah, um, and the pop quiz was an in class essay, and 
and and you weren't even in school when it happened. <laughs> like it's as if like a teacher, like you know, it's like eight p.m. and you're chilling watching TV, and then a teacher called you and was like, "Pop quiz now, go do it, run." <laughs> yeah. like, you're just like, "What the hell? This isn't how this works." <laughs> she pokes her head. Teacher pokes their head in your house. Like, yeah, hey. but that's what that's what breaking news is. It's always having that teacher. So that was honestly my. I was like, "Oh man, I got to write and like I have to think and I have to put this in perspective. Mm-hmm. I have to write on this for." a year uh and that was that was like that was really that was really my reaction um i uh i wasn't like people have asked me like were you upset that you moved down to oklahoma city and then durant left no i mean look i thought he was going to come back if i had to bet on it i would have bet that he was going to come back but i wasn't disappointed that he left like it's still it was still a lot to cover like i didn't come down to cover a title team. Like, it's not like I, I, I signed with the team and, you know, and then Kevin Durant left and I was like, Oh, now I don't get to win a title. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I came down because I wanted to, I would always written for online publications. I wanted to work for a newspaper and I wanted to be on, on a traveling beat. And I knew I was going to get to do that either way. Um, and there was still a lot of drama. There's been so much drama this season. Like there, they're one of the more fun teams in the league to cover because Russell is fascinating. Um, maybe the most fascinating superstar in the league. Um, and it's a lot of really good guys too. Like the like Tanner is awesome to talk to and Adams is awesome to talk to and Robertson's great to talk to. And it's like, it's just like, you know, it's easy guys to cover for the most part too. So um, I look, it's, it's fun if you get to like cover the finals as a reporter and stuff, cover the Western conference finals, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, but, but disappointed. No, I'm honestly not at all. Well, that's good. Uh, I think that I may have taken all the disappointment in because I was highly <laughs> disappointed. Um, this question came from a Reddit mailbag yesterday, but what's the most awkward, uh, press session you've ever been in? I probably when I called Kevin Durant friend. <laughs> <laughs> Probably that it's great. It was so great. What were you? Th- what were you thinking? Like at the time, like after you said your own name to him, like what were your no, I, what were your thoughts? I didn't know it was a thing. I was just like, oh hi. I guess I'm asking questions. Oh hi. really? You didn't? You didn't at the time? You I didn't had, know? Well, I had no idea it was even on TV, oh. uh, <laughs> and so I didn't know it was like let alone live on TNT. Uh, I didn't even know it was on TV, and I don't know. I've asked press conference questions a million times before. The reason I did it was because I had just taken the job, mm-hmm. and like you have to say your name and affiliation. And on another occasion, I almost said Fred Katz Fox Sports because that's where I was before. Okay, and so I, I was just so used to saying Fred Katz Fox Sports that I have it, and so I was running through my head over and over again because I knew I had the next question. I was just saying in my head, Fred Katz Norman transcript, Fred Katz Norman transcript, Fred Katz Norman transcript. <laughs> then I had to ask the question. I'm like, Fred Katz Norman transcript. Fred. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, so you were just repeating your repeated thoughts in your head. Right. I was going to say Fred Katz Norman transcript again, but I caught myself up for saying Fred. That just sounded like I was addressing him as, as Fred. Yeah. Um, that was that was probably it. Uh, other than that, there was this really depressing Lionel Hollins press conference about two or three weeks before he, uh, before he got fired, when you could just tell, like, all right, this man has – absolutely stopped coaching and the reporters like you could tell people just kind of started feeling 
bad and just like holding off on questions where you're like, doesn't this man is this man is broken, he doesn't need this anymore. Yeah. Uh, that was like like that like the the Durant thing was like that was funny, awkward, you know. Yeah. Uh this was like actually like it felt there wasn't a thing that happened where you're like, Oh, that's so awkward. It just felt so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like this is this man's life and like we get to like we're right in front of him as his life is falling apart. And mm-hmm. I mean that's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more like real yeah, life and basketball like, meet. It was just like not doing well that day. Yeah. Okay. I have one question before we get to Twitter questions. I want you to rank these young prospects for the Thunder. So Jeremy Grant, Sabonis, Abrinas, Payne, and Joffrey. Rank I want you to rank those guys in like the order of their like career arc. Like who's gonna be the best over their career, do you think? Right. So like fifteen years from now we do a ranking. Yes. Okay. Um let's go. Should we go reverse order for suspense? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um I'll put I'll put Joffrey five. Yeah. Um I, I like he's got offensive talent, but like he's he's basically um he and Canner are kind of redundant, I think. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Canner's better, but he's he's they're kind of redundant. So I'll put Joffrey five. I'll put um who are the other guys you said? Grant Payne Sabonis, Grant, and who was the other one? Abrinas. Okay. Payne Sabonis, Grant. Um I'll put Abrinas four. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can you know what? I'll put Cam four. No, I'll put Abrinas four. This is this is this is what happens <laughs> in live podcasting. <laughs> so it's just really indecisive. Um I'll put I'll put Abrinas for it just because I think it's a little more valuable and if Cam can if Cam can become a guy who can handle the ball and I think Abrinas would be pretty good. Uh but if Cam can become a guy who can it's just the ball handling skills are more important. I think they're probably a little bit of a wash on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh I guess I guess Cam on three because the ball handling skills are more important. I'm very intrigued to see what happens with Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant could be number five on this list. Yeah. And Jeremy Grant could be like number two on this list. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I'm putting him number two because why not? But if he's number five, then I also hedge. So, ha. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm into Sabonis. Even if he never, even if he just cuts off his right hand, is like, screw it. Let's make this left thing as extreme as possible. Uh, I think he's good. He, he, he's, he can shoot well. Like, he's not making his shots lately. And I don't think it's a rookie wall thing. Um, I think he's just not making shots, mm-hmm. but um, he, uh, yeah, I think he's good. He, he, you can have a four, you can pop, you can play good team defense. I think he's a good passer. Um, he handles the ball well with half of his hands. Like I, I yeah. think he's, I think he's going to be a, like a legitimately good NBA starter. Uh, and that's, you know, you get him in that deal. Uh, that's, that's, that was a really good move for them. Yeah. I had, I had I had Joffrey five. I think that's easy. I just think he's like a fourth or fifth big on a team. I just it's hard for me to see him being more than that. Um, I had Payne four. I I don't know. I I think that his. I'm not a huge fan of his defense. I haven't seen a ton of his like pick and roll action so far, and it's only been like six games. But uh, it hasn't looked great. I'd like to see them put him in a pick and roll a little bit more and see what he can do. Uh, then I had Jeremy Grant. I had Abrinas number two. I just really like his smarts. He's obviously an elite shooter, or he could be like an elite level shooter. 
I, I don't know. I, I just like him as a player. I, I think that he does like lack like the ball handling skills that you talked about. But I just look at a guy like JJ Redick, like what a massive impact he has for the Clippers, and, and what a massive impact one guy that can shoot like that can have on an entire team. And I think mm-hmm. he, I think the difference between him and Redick in particular though is that Redick's a lot faster. So like Redick, yeah. part of what Redick is so good at is not necessarily the shooting. Like obviously he's one of the few best shooters in the NBA, but he's so good at like darting off screens and not just running off the screens, but also like finding when he needs to step left, step right, coming off the screen, when he needs to curl, um, you know, when he needs to flare, whatever it is. He's really good at finding space and improving in those moments. And um, that's not really a thing we've seen from Abrinas. He's not nearly as fast as Reddick either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a second round pick rookie who's getting comfortable and can certainly get there. Like they, it's ridiculous to hold him to a JJ Reddick standard now. JJ Reddick's like ten years older than him. Right. Uh, but but that's that's like the thing where I think he falls short on Reddick. If he develops that, like if that's such a thing that he gets good at, then then I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you for sure. I like his potential, and you can just see that he. He's just a smart basketball player, and I tend to give credit to those kind of guys. Uh, and then Sabonis, number one, like everything you said, he's he's good at everything uh, re- on the offensive end, rebounding, shooting. He's got a post game. Uh, he's starting to get to the free throw line, which is which has been I know I a get funny so thing. Whenever I get so pumped when he shoots a free throw, I like now just tweet out in all caps Sabonis free throws whenever. <laughs> Whenever he gets a free throw, I get so genuinely excited. It is. And he fist pumps like, I don't know. He he does it a lot, and he does it like whenever he hits a three, like he fist pumps, and it's like he's like, that's like the first three he's ever made. I just, <laughs> I just love that kind of joy out of him. Uh, he, uh, he also does this thing when someone assists him on the three. He When it's like an early game three, it's my favorite Thunder celebration. He very, very slowly and expressionlessly raises his right hand, bends his arm at like maybe like a 120 degree angle. So it's not that much. And just expressionlessly points at that person for a second and then just lowers his arm. And it's really my favorite thunder, my favorite thunder celebration. It's awesome. I love that guy. Um, Do you think that they're just using the first quarters to develop him? Because he like doesn't get any touches, like even when he's playing, he doesn't get hardly any touches past the first quarter. Yeah, no, they, they are for sure. And that's a hundred percent what they're doing. Like it's it's the same thing as when like um like Greg Popovich does this all the time. And when Greg Popovich does this, people it's funny how like Greg Popovich can do some things and people can be like, Well, he's a genius, look at what he's doing. And then when other people do the other things, like do other things, um, people people say, like, What are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. they kind of do things to fit their own narratives. Uh, like Greg Popovich used to do that with Boris Diaw and Tiago Splitter. You know, those are older guys, but like he'd run an offense through Boris Diaw for a quarter. And then people would be like, why are they running their offense through Boris Diaw right now in this game against the Suns in January? And then they would come to a point in the playoffs where they have to run it through Boris Diaw for like four possessions because, you know, some team had scouted them well, was taking away options and Boris Diaw was comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's partly that just putting him in situations to where he's ready for any given situation. If they have to put him there in an important game, because he is a starter. And I think it's partly like, okay, well, he's not going to develop his post game if he never gets the post up. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of, it's kind of that as well. Yeah. And and I think some of the rookie wall 
like talk comes from that they're just trying like so many different things with him because at the beginning of the season it was float on the perimeter and let's see if we can you know build your perimeter game and now it's like let's see if we can build your post game and I just feel like he's being asked to do a lot of different things that he's just learning how to do and I don't think that's the rookie wall and he's so make or miss right now as a player uh, just because he doesn't have time to get into a rhythm because he's only going to get shots in the first quarter that if he, I mean, he might miss for like five games just because he does, not because he's like tired or like people are figuring him out. I don't know. I think he's right. The reason, the reason I say I don't think it's the rookie wall is because like the rookie wall, at least to me, is like the league has figured you out, right? And then like you have to, you're not adjusting well when the league has figured you out. That's mm-hmm. what everybody says is the rookie wall, but he's being guarded the exact same way. Like no one's following him when he pops mm-hmm. his shots, like these threes are still open. They're still just as open threes that he was taking as earlier, um, but he's you know he's they're not going in. Um, I, I think it's just like he probably wasn't a forty four percent three point shooter at this point in his career. Yeah. He's probably like a thirty five percent three point shooter, and uh, he's decided to throw the concept of regression in our face as aggressively as possible. <laughs> the dude, and the dude's twenty. I mean, I don't know. I think that he should be given kind of a break. 20-year-olds are inconsistent in life. Yes. And for some reason, we take that into account when we're talking about anything but sports. Right. Like, if, if you had a 20-year-old intern and, and you were like, oh, you know, Domas was, was great today in the office. And they're like, yeah, he was great. And the next day, you're like, you know, no one is like, Domas wasn't as good today in the office. He, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not as consistent at work as I'd want him to be. He, he, he really didn't do a good job filling out those reports. They'd be like, well, you know, he's 20, cut him slack. Obviously. <laughs> the fact that he was that good yesterday, like that, that guy's going to be really good when he graduates in two years, you know? And like with, with, with Domas, we're just like, well, not us, but you know, the, the, the people who tweet at me on Twitter are like, he can't make a shot. What's wrong with him? Like you would never say this about a 20 year old in any other aspect of life. Right. <laughs> um, Let's do some Twitter questions. So this is uh, from at that true talk. Should Russ rest on Wednesday? This is a, almost a guaranteed loss, and he looks tired. Um, am I taking this, or are you taking this? You take it and take it. Uh, no. I mean, look if if they're down, you know, if they're just getting throttled, which is possible, yeah. then uh, you know maybe. Depends on what happens with Steven Adams. We don't know the status of Steven Adams right now, um, as of the time at least that we're recording this. Uh, so it obviously depends on what happens with Steven Adams. Steven, I, I'm assuming this this uh, this questioner is assuming that Steven Adams is is not going to play, mm-hmm. and thus and thus you sit you sit Russell Westbrook. The Thunder aren't really in a position. The teams that like rest guys, like really rest guys, aside from like the Kings. The teams that like really rest guys for big games are like, you know, Utah's done it, but Utah's had major injury issues with a lot of the guys they've rested, and they've done it against the Warriors. and And teams have rested team guys against, you know, for road games against the Warriors, basically throwing those games. They could do it. People, can you imagine how mad like the you shouldn't rest people? Jeff Van Gundy might be calling that game. <laughs> yeah, he would be so mad. Would, um, would rest even Russ has rested before? Also, like yeah. You got to take this is like another one of those things that you got to take the Cuban element in. Why don't you try and bring no Russell Westbrook says he approaches every game the same way. But why don't you try going to Russell Westbrook and be like, hey, I know you've been looking forward to murdering Kevin Durant for the last two months after they killed you last time. But you know what? You're not playing tonight. 
Yeah. Why don't you try to have that conversation with him? <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. But even if they wanted that to happen, like I think Russ would just be like, nope, not happening. I'm not he's wrestling. So, I'm gonna. He's so competitive, man. <laughs> he's he like, is <laughs> so competitive. It's, yeah. He's the most competitive dude I've ever. This this sounds ridiculous because like obviously, but he's the most competitive dude I've ever met in my life. It's unbelievable. <laughs> if they sat him, he would just run sprints up and down the stairs at Oracle the whole game, just in spite of <laughs> Billy Donovan. <laughs> That's like that. Uh, have you ever heard that Jackie McMullen KG story? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard it. Doc, so Doc, like, practices less than any other coach in the league. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the rare occasions. This is when he was with the Celtics and KG was still with the Celtics. Uh, and it was one of those rare occasions where uh, where K, where where he was practicing, and he told KG, like, you know, he was up there in age, and he was like, you're not practicing at all today. Sit on the side. KG was like, no, I need to practice. And, and he refused to not practice, and Doc <laughs> refused to let him in. So in order to get in order just to practice, KG stood on the, the sidelines uh, in their practice facility. I guess they have, like, courts that line up. Uh-huh. And he stood on the other court where they weren't practicing and mimicked all the <laughs> actions that he would be doing if he were practicing, pretending there were nine other guys around him. And Doc had to cancel practice so that KG would rest. That's amazing. That, <laughs> that is definitely a future Russell Westbrook story. Oh yeah, it, it is for sure. <laughs> it is a hundred percent. That's like my favorite KG story ever. Jackie McMullen did this big piece on KG like a year ago, and uh, she's she's the greatest. That's and awesome. it was uh, it was in there. I was like, that is the greatest story I've ever heard. It's so good. Uh, next question from Kyler Hallmark of the Hallmark Cards, I assume. Um, who has more trade value, Cantor or Robertson? Um. Probably Robertson's coming off the books, but Cantor has more money and like his fit doesn't fit with as many teams. Mm-hmm. That's a, who do you say? That's a hard question. I think that it's Robertson because I think he, like you said, he fits. You can fit him on almost any team. Um, Anyone wants wing, a wing defender. Yes. Yeah. Anyone think- will take a wing, a, a cheap wing defender. Well, cheap for now. Yes, and I don't, I don't know that Cantor would take as kindly to coming off the bench for just any team. And I, I just think that there's not enough starting center positions for him to just go and start somewhere. Yeah, no, that's... And, like, there's not enough starting center positions where it's a starting center next to a rim-protecting four. Yeah. No, it's very, like I, very rare. <laughs> people talk about the depth of the center, but teams are loaded on centers. Like, yeah. We talk, we talk about, like, oh, the Kings have all the centers, but all, so do the Magic, and so do the Wizards, mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of these teams. Maybe, like, the fit for Canner, maybe it's Boston, if you're going to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know who you're going to get back. Like, it's not like Boston's going to give up Jay Crowder for Canner. No, so, like, they wouldn't do Bradley Boston, either. Yeah, no, and why would they? And uh, they can't, they're campaigning for Bradley to be an all-star. Yeah. Like that tells you all they you need to know about how they think about you know Avery Bradley, and he's he's really good. Um, so I I don't know who. Like I, I've heard you say it a lot in your podcast, and I completely agree. Like Canner is better than his trade value. Yeah, your trade value doesn't always match up with how good you are, and it doesn't always match up with your contract either. Um, it can be circumstantial, you know. And he's he's better. Than he is than his trade value right now. And Sam Presti's a guy who likes to get value for things for the most part, um, and I just don't think he's gonna 
release an asset um, for for way less than maybe he could in a year or something when the league is under different circumstances. Yeah, I think like today you could definitely trade Robertson for like a mid first round pick, uh, and basically that team is just paying you so that they can pay Robertson and use him in the playoffs if they if they're a team making the playoffs. But I don't I don't know what kind of pick you could even get for Cantor, and I think that Cantor when he is traded, if he is traded by the Thunder, it'll be a part of like a bigger package to get something. You know, I don't know I don't know what it is like Gallo or something bigger than that. Um, Right. I mean, look, here's the thing, though. I think people kind of write off like, oh, they might trade Robertson because his contract's coming off. And I'm not saying that that's that's incorrect, but I think that um, glosses over how important Andre Robertson is to this team. He's really good. And he's the most, I don't know, he's the most confounding player on the team to me because it's just like he helps so much on one end. Like there's no way they're a top 10 defense without him. Oh, they're not close. No. and They're not even sniffing it. And but then like he just visibly hurts the offense, and mm-hmm. it's just I, I just wouldn't want to be in Sam Presti's position to make a decision on him because I just I don't know what the right decision is because are you going to pay him fifteen million a year like is he going to command that I don't know but maybe he does and if he does do you pay him that like you become like a tax team if you're going to pay him and if you're going to pay Grant and I mean I don't know I just don't really know what the right decision is with him. Yeah, his 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 free agency just discussing his money is one of the more interesting conversations. Because like so like Solomon Hill got twelve million. Yeah, um, but Solomon Hill was also, and he's so much better. Like they're similar types of players, but he's better. Um, and so you think like, okay, well Solomon Hill got twelve. Does he get fifteen? Does he get sixteen? But Solomon Hill was also under unrestricted, so maybe he gets fourteen. Maybe he gets thirteen. Um, but then at the same time, and like on the same time, like everyone had cap space last summer, and a lot of teams will have cap space this summer, but it's not quite as bad. And there are a lot of teams who just kind of threw money around. They were like, ooh, cap space, let's throw $70 million at Evan Turner. And then it didn't work out well. Um, you know, Washington, like if you look at it, not that many teams were actually helped by the cap spike. Right. The Knicks gave $72 million to Noah. They're, they're, they're regretting it. Um, yeah. You know, the, even like Portland, who I think is a great. I think they're a great organization. I think they're the most underrated organization in the league. I think Olshay is fantastic. He built up the Clippers, um, drafted amazingly there. He's now built up, you know, Portland, who's not as good this year, uh, but but you know, drafted well and put together a lot of really good teams. And like that's another team where like everybody left two years ago, and then they won forty four games, which was amazing, yeah. and should have gotten more national coverage with just how like all of their starters left, except for Lillard. And uh, they still won forty four, uh, but but like even even they got to a situation where they were like, all right, and they I think they gave too much to Crab and they gave too much to to Turner. And I think what people were doing is they were looking at ratios of the cap, right? Okay, well this is still only twenty percent of the cap, uh, but at the same time the the market was more extreme because so many people had cap space, and if you save it for a situation when you uh, when fewer have cap space. Those, those ratios of the cap, even though they're technically the same numbers, are more valuable because you're able to offer it when other people aren't. Um, and they tied themselves up. And and that was that was kind of the issue. It's, I don't know. Last offseason was really interesting. I'm on a tangent. But <laughs> the effects of last offseason are going to be so interesting. Yes, they will. And I think another guy, like, I know that 
Robertson's not as big as Aminu, but I think they, the teams might look at Aminu and how he is on a great deal right now, and that you know a player like that shouldn't be undervalued. Um, and I wonder if they teams look at Robertson and are like, you know what, maybe he can play the four for us and be our be the Aminu type player that can guard basically all the positions and you know step out a little bit. Not they're not going to count on him to be a shooter, but he will at least take the shots. I don't know. I wonder if I wonder if that's like a reasonable comp for him. Yeah, that is interesting because Aminu like really really couldn't shoot for a while there. Yeah. Um. So that that definitely he's a little bigger. Aminu. Yeah. Um. But that 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 is interesting. Remember when Aminu signed the contract? He was the first contract of I think it was twenty fifteen free agency. Yep. And everyone was just like, "Oh, what a terrible deal!" They gave. What was it, thirty million to Alfaro Camino? That's awful. <laughs> yeah. And now we're like thirty million. Where can I sign up for that for that guy? Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. And it was like they the Celtics gave thirty five million dollars over five years to Jake Crowder. Awful. Now we're like, okay, well that's the best contract in the league. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the worst time to write about contracts is when they happen because inevitably people look pretty stupid. Yep. And the Amino deal. What's so awesome about the Amino deal is it's it's declining. Most deals are increasing. The new deal and the Ed Davis deal—they set the, both those deals up like back the way they're declining. So, like, they're even better on the back end than they are on the front end. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> He's uh, made like six point six million the last year of that deal, or something like that. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, amazing deal. Um, do you have any realistic trade scenarios for the Thunder? Like everybody asks that question, but are there any guys that you're like, man, the Thunder should target this guy, or they could probably get Thunder this should guy. target Gay, man. <laughs> Gosh, I hate Rudy Gay. Someone someone tweeted at me last night, like, like enough, like something along the lines of like enough of this. After this game, this really shows how badly they have to trade for Rudy Gay. <laughs> and I was like, enough of this. They literally won yesterday. Yeah, what a, what, what, a weird what are you sentence. talking about? They're like twenty five and in eighteen. Like they they just won a game. On the road, like they're Stephen Adams is hurt. Like this is something that Royce and I were talking about after that tweet. I showed it to Royce and we were laughing. And this is something that that Royce and I were talking about, um, where people go through the schedule and they're not unreasonable enough in the future to be like the Thunder will beat the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. No one predicts it. Right. And then when Adams gets hurt, they're like, oh, well, I guess uh, I guess tonight's a wash. There's no way they're winning this one. And then when they lose, people are like, something's wrong. What the hell happened tonight? <laughs> you know, it's so weird. It's such true. a weird thing. It's like you're, you know in order for your prediction of them losing tonight to come correct, they have to lose. <laughs> That's just the 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 crazy. I, I I think the Thunder fan base still has like the college football like personality, where like every game is so meaningful, and mm-hmm. if they lose this game, then you know it's it's all over. We've got to trade for Rudy Gay. Like that's that's probably a very common thought. Um, Bob Stoops has got to trade for Rudy Gay. That's, the that's answer. right. <laughs> uh, you don't like you don't want the Thunder to trade for Rudy Gay, or you don't think that would be good, do you? No, I don't think that would be good for them. Okay. I I, I would not be uh, – and you know what? I would be surprised if it happened. I know uh, – I feel I feel like an idiot saying that when, like, the vertical, I know. you know, has reported it, like, three times. 
doesn't um, feel right. Yeah, I, I just based based on like what I know and um, like you know I, I talked about the history of the organization and stuff too. Like and, and based on like I just I would be surprised if it happened. If I'm wrong, you can all come at me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but but I would I would be surprised. I really would. And and I don't. I would not be the proposed trades that are out there. Like, what do you? What, how are you going to match on gay salary? It's not just paying. They got to give up somebody else. Yeah. So, I don't know. You, you're going to give up Robertson and Payne and Singler or something? Like what? That's no, a, you're not. No. Even Payne at this that. point, like that's such an awful trade. And then the Thunder, like, I don't think that they want Samaj to be their backup point guard. And you trade your backup point guard so that you can have Rudy Gay on your team, and then Samaj is back. I just don't think that makes the Thunder any better. I just don't. Here's how you know it's an overpay. Because the Kings still haven't traded Rudy Gay. Right. <laughs> you know, Rudy Gay is not coming back, and the Kings are eight games, nine games under 500 right now. And there's no way Rudy Gay is going back to Sacramento. And if the Kings, maybe they're feeling out for another deal, but there's been no traction with anybody on Rudy Gay. No. And if there's, if there's no traction with anybody on Rudy Gay, why are you giving up multiple rotation pieces to get him for a not even half season rental now. Right. He's been in the league for a decade. Like we know, like the, the book is out on Rudy Gay. People know what he's all about. And mm-hmm. he's never really won. I don't know. I don't, I just don't get it. I think it's just his, he puts up big numbers and people like that. What do you think about players? Like, players love Rudy Gay is also what it is. Yeah. There like was, players there was a lot of hugging at the end really of that good. Kings game. Yeah, and players think Rudy Gay is really good. Like, if you talk to a player about Rudy Gay, they're like, Rudy Gay is awesome. Hmm. Players think Rudy Gay is... It's because Rudy Gay um, is really good at doing things that other players can't do. I think that's my theory. I think that's why. Okay. Like, he's... A player looks at a player differently than we look at a player. Yeah. Because a player looks at us like, man, I can't handle the ball like that. I can't take a guy off the dribble like that at that size and that length. I can't finish around the rim like that. I can't dunk on a guy like that. I can't make that, you know, turnaround fadeaway shot that he just made. He's really good. Um, and we look at it as like, well, the Kings are worse when he's on the floor. And, you know, Toronto was worse when he was on the floor and Memphis was worse when he was on the floor. So he's probably not as good as his skill set looks. But players look at it from a more personal perspective. And I think that's part of what it is, too. Yeah. Are there any players that you think the Thunder should target, or do you think they should just stand pat, just develop these guys, and then try to make a move in the summer? Uh, it would be cool if they could go out and get a wing, like a like a good. If they could just, a lot of people talk about the big names, you know, the wings that they could get. Mm-hmm. What if they just went out and got like Robert Covington? He's a restricted free agent next year. He's like twenty five years old. He's having a really down year for a really bad team. So you might be able to trade for him um, without having to give up that much at all. Mm-hmm. But historically, he's a good three-point shooter. He plays defense. He cuts off passing lanes. He's switchy, so we could work well in lineups with, like, he already knows somebody here in Jeremy Grant. Um, you could play him with, with guys like that. Like, what if, what if that's the move that they make? Like, it's just, like, small, but he's a 3-and-D guy in the best-case scenario. No, I think that would be he great. Compromise your future to do a move like that. Yeah, I mean, they just need more shooting. Like, they just do. And if you can get it on the cheap, like somebody like that, I think they should. 
Uh, I wonder if that was a part of like the discussion, or if he was like in discussions uh, with that like Ilyasova trade. Like, I don't know. I just wonder what Sam Presti thinks about him, and if the conversation may have started with him but ended up at Jeremy Grant. I don't know. Yeah, that's that. That seems like it would be like a logical, logical follow. But I know the Thunder have always liked Jeremy Grant. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a thing. They've always liked him, Fred. and he played for Billy many moons ago. Oh yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Like Team USA under eighteen or whatever it was. Right, right, right. Yeah, he. I I like Jeremy Grant a lot. So someone else asked. We'll, we'll do one more question, then um, then I've got to go. Um, what do you think about Jeremy Grant starting in place of Sabonis? This is from it was a, interesting. D, D Puzzle twenty three. It was interesting. The most worried I was was them about it was just them getting killed on the boards. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing Billy. I don't think that means that like if Adams is out for more than just Monday night, then that means that like Grant is the starter. I'm sure Billy will play matchups. Yeah. Like remember Oladipo got hurt. Grant started the first two and then Mora went in. Mm-hmm. Billy's going to play matchups against different teams and he doesn't feel like any sort of loyalty to start Grant every game. Like he would, you know, Robertson or Oladipo or guys like that who are like, it's ingrained in their head that they're starters, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, uh, I, I, I thought it made sense. Like he obviously just wanted to start, he figured Adams isn't there, so I think Billy's default is picking the defensive guy. Yeah, uh, I just think that's his default, and I think he wanted, uh, I think he wanted Canner um, to maintain in the role that he was in, probably just mm-hmm. because Canner has been so good lately. Yeah, that I think he just wanted him to to stay in that role. Uh, but Billy's default is defensive guys, and and they were trying to switch early on pick and rolls and that kind of stuff, and that's how they were trying to defend. Um, you know, the Chris Paul, DeAndre pick and roll. And uh, it didn't grow great. You know, Paul was isolating on Grant or whatever. And, and he heard him a few times. But I, I saw where he was coming from. I think it makes sense. Starting lineup is less important than total minutes. Sure. Like if Canner is still going to get minutes in place of Adams, if Adams is out, like that's more what matters. If Canner is going to get 18 minutes, that's a different story. But if Canner is going to get 30, who cares if they come off the bench or, you know, or, or in the starting lineup? Yeah. Fred, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. We can follow you on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. We can follow you at the Roman Transcript and listen to you on Locked on Thunder every day. It's a great podcast. Thanks for coming on, and we will talk to you later. Appreciate it. Thank you.